0: Like I said, we're in part two of our Finding Your Way Back to God series. I challenged you last week to go on a journey with us over these next few weeks. To, to maybe you know not just check it out once or twice but to hey stick it out through this series and see what God um, could do in your life and and last week we talked about awakening to to longing and we prayed that prayer God if you're real make yourself real to me and we learned how the bible teaches that man when you seek God with all of your heart you're gonna find him that's a promise that we can take to the bank uh, from God's word that man with you if you go after God you're gonna find him and so today we're jumping in, in into part two and we're talking about an awakening to regret now I don't know what is is worse you know going through the, the that period of longing and just knowing there's more or or finding out one day that man all the places that you searched and all the places that you've gone looking and longing didn't amount to much and so today just right off the bat I want to let you know you know some of the the thoughts today might be kind of heavy, uh, but this is, a, this is a stage we've gotta go through if we're gonna find ourselves in a relationship with Jesus, which is the best thing in the world. And so, how many of you know that realizing what God has for my life, realizing that God has more for my life, realizing that God has plans for my life, realizing how good Jesus is doesn't necessarily make the, the, all the life that you live before that moment go away, right? How many of you know you still remember it? You still think about it from time to time. Maybe those thoughts, they haunt you from time to time. Well, look what happened to uh, the character in our story, the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. In verses 15 through 17, I encourage you to grab your notes, open up your app. The notes are there as well. Um, You know, however you want to follow along today, you can do so. But in Luke 15, 15 through 17, it says that he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Now, if you remember last week, the son got his inheritance early. He went away. He squandered it all. He wasted all his money on wild living. And here he finds himself think about this he's feeding the pigs he's so hungry I don't know about you but I've been in that place where I'm trying to fix everything on my own and how many of you know if I could have fixed it on my own I would have done it a long time ago but you get so hungry for something that actually satisfies and it just doesn't and then He's like, man, he's, he's looking for somebody to give him something, but what happened? No one gave him anything. And so he's finding himself completely lonely at the end of his rope, at the bottom of the barrel, hitting rock bottom. And then when he finally came to his senses, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. Wow. Wow. He had that epiphany moment, completely lost, completely broken. How many of you ever been there? Some of you haven't yet. And man, that's a a good thing. And I pray you never have to hit rock bottom. Because hitting rock bottom, like like the prodigal son in in our story did, is is one of the most painful things that could be endured in life. And we're gonna talk about it a little bit later, but man, a friend of mine wrote a book uh, quite a few years ago, and it was called Change Before You Have To. And I don't know about you, but that's, that's my heart as a father, when I look at my kids. I want them to learn before they have to. I want them to, to, to learn from my mistakes. I want them to learn from, from what I've been through so that they don't have to. And man, I, I, I've got to believe with all my heart that when Jesus is telling this story, he's looking at the people in the eye and he's, and he's telling them, hey, the world doesn't satisfy. Whatever you've been going after, it doesn't satisfy. You're still going to get hungry. And when you turn to other people in your life to be the source of, 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 of fulfillment and, and completeness for you, it's not gonna, they're not going to have anything to offer you. And when he finally came to his senses, he realized He just wishes he was back home, right? And so the prayer for this week, if we were to add on to last week, you know, we prayed, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And then this week, we're gonna pray, awaken to me, God, this possibility that I could start over again. Now listen, this isn't just for those that are literal prodigals away from God, finding themselves at that point of desperation. Man, you could have been serving Jesus for a long time, and and somehow you drifted. Somehow you realize that you're in different waters, and you don't even know how you got there. I'm going to be teaching a, a class this life group semester called How Did I Get Here? It's 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 based on a book by Christine Kane and and you know she talks about in that book how sometimes you just find yourself in a spiritual state in a place and you don't even know how you got there. And as a kid that grew up in church, my dad was a pastor, I, I, I feel like I feel like I've never strayed too far. Obviously, I came to that salvation moment where I knew that I needed Jesus, but 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 there's been times where I was spiritually empty and spiritually dry and spiritually broken even though it seemed on the outside like everything else in my life was okay. And so it doesn't matter if you have a, a, a story where you hit rock bottom, if, or if you, you, know, you just find yourself spiritually empty. Man, at some point in your life, you're gonna have to pray this prayer, God, awaken me the possibility that I can start over again. You know, I think that the question that we all ask ourselves, going through life, and especially with this story of the prodigal son, is how low can I go and still come back? How deep can my regret be? How 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 broken can my life be and still come back? You know what, what if you're an addict or you've been unfaithful or dishonest in your marriage? What if you just feel like you've been a total failure in your life and you let people down and, and, and you know that people don't trust you? Maybe you've even convinced yourself that, you haven't done anything wrong, that you're, just, that you're okay, and that if anyone says you have, they're just judgmental. But at some point, no matter where you are on the spectrum, you come to this point where you realize that I'm hungry for something that this world can't give me. Can we all just agree that that's where we're at spiritually today? You come to your senses. You awaken to the regret. You awaken to the fact that, that you need Jesus. And so that's the first step today to awaken to regret. You know, sometimes, especially in today's day and age, you know, we don't even let ourselves feel regret because everybody is telling us we're okay. Everybody is telling us that everything you do in life. Hey, if you just be you and you just follow your truth and you just you just do whatever, you know, is on your heart to do. Hey, hey, you're okay. Don't let anybody tell you not to be you. And I just want to tell you, church, with all the love in my heart. That is about the worst advice that you could ever be given. Because the prodigal son followed that kind of advice. He just wanted to be him. He just wanted what was his. He just wanted what he felt he was entitled to. He just wanted to follow his dream. And he found himself hungry and with the pigs. And so the first step is just to awaken to regret. Sometimes in, in, in um, circles where people are recovering, we call this coming out of denial, stepping out of the shame, stepping out of the isolation. And a lot of times this happens even before acknowledging, acknowledging that, I, that we have a problem. We have to awaken to the fact that, oh my goodness, I've messed up, right? You know, the, the product a sudden he had to go so low before he, he had this awakening. He had to go so low, he had to hit that rock Bottom. Now, many times we don't want to go through this step because it's so hard, right? And so it, we get robbed of all kinds of great, great, great experiences because instead of processing it, instead of stepping into that regret and feeling it and letting it go deep and letting it drive us somewhere, we just ignore that we have a problem. We push it down and we push it down and we push it down. But when we don't face our regret... When we don't face the pain in our hearts, then all kinds of experiences, the full life that God has for you, we miss out on. Back when I was a a freshman in high school, and uh, I maybe have told part of this story to you at one time or another, but you know I've told you uh, if you've been around a while that I was, I was kind of small. I was on the small side. I was barely a hundred pounds going into my freshman year and so I got cut from the basketball team, right, which was painful, uh, which uh, because I loved basketball even though I was just this tiny little dude. I, I played 24-7 and so I get cut from the basketball team because of my size. I go to wrestling and I have a good season, but it, probably even more than basketball, I loved baseball. I had complete sets, I had baseball cards, I dreamed, I had played baseball since I was little, and, and if I do so, say so myself, I was a pretty good ball player. And so I show up, little 105 pound Joe, to freshman uh, baseball tryouts, and I did great. I went through the week of tryouts, it was a whole week, feeling like, man, I was, I was doing everything everybody else was doing, and, and many times better. I was faster. I was making contact. I wasn't making errors. I felt great. I go uh, literally on our, in our high school gym, there was a stage and there was a curtain, right? And the coach was behind the curtain. Talk about scary. And so I go up behind the curtain. I sit knee to knee with the coach. And he's like, Joe, you did amazing in trials. You did really good. He said, the problem is there's guys that are doing what you're doing and can hit the ball just a little bit further because they're, They've got 30 or 40 pounds on you. And he said, so, hey, play this summer and come back next year. Guess what? I was so crushed and so hurt in my little freshman self. (laughs) You know, my my little man Joe. I I was so broken over that that the next year comes around and I resolved, yeah, I'm going to go out again because I believed him that I could do it and I believed in myself that I could do it. But something happened in me. Something was broken enough to where when tryouts came around my sophomore year, guess who didn't show up? Me. And as the years went by, regret began to build over and over and over because I was like, why didn't I just go? And you know, there's things in life that you can't go back and change. There's things in life that it's just, oh, it is what it is. And you know, but it hurts. And so if something as dumb as baseball hurt that much, As something as dumb as baseball that I attach my identity to, you know, was that painful? What about things that really hurt? You know, regret and pain and rejection kept me from taking a redemptive step out of fear that I would fail again. And so it was just this vicious cycle, right? I was hurt, and so instead of trying again, guess what? More hurt. That's what regret does to you. It just, it sends you into a vicious cycle of pain. The regret isn't that I didn't get to play. Honestly, the the regret isn't that I didn't make the team. The regret is that I didn't even try. In the book that this series is based on that I've encouraged you to order, Finding Your Way Back to God, Dave Ferguson tells a story relayed by Brennan Manning, which if you haven't read any Brennan Manning, he's an amazing teacher on grace. And so in this story, Brendan Manning tells a story about when he was in recovery for addiction with alcohol. And so in the the discussion group that he was in at this time, there was a guy named Max who, who by all outward accounts, he was a businessman. He was successful. He was really wealthy. He had everything put together. So man, if you were to see Max on the outside, you would never think that anything was wrong with Max. He was a good guy. Everybody liked him. The bar that Max frequented, you know what the bartender said? Oh, Mac, Max is a heck of a guy. Love that guy. Buys everybody, drinks all the time. He's, he's just a good guy. And so, but in this circle, the counselor began to ask Max, Max, why are you here? And what's, what's your biggest regret? And Max just completely denied everything. He's like, oh, no big deal. Nothing's going on in my life. I don't know why I'm here. So the counselor gets people in Max's life on the phone. And finally, it comes around to his wife. They get his wife on the phone in the counseling circle. And hey, why why is Max here? Apparently, Max said on Christmas Eve, he had taken his daughter to get her a new pair of shoes. And, and he had... Got her the shoes and she's told him, Daddy, Daddy, you're the best daddy in the whole wide world. And so he was feeling pretty good about himself. And so on the way home, he just swung by the bar. He's gonna treat himself, just celebrate a little bit for being such a great dad. He lost track of time in the bar and, and before you know it, hours and hours and hours went by and he comes out to find his daughter in the truck, frostbitten, true story. So rushed to the hospital, she has to have parts of her ears removed, a couple fingers removed, and was then deaf for the rest of her life. And upon hearing the story, Max breaks down. In, he, he couldn't even remember the details of the story before because they were so painful. And upon the retelling of the story, he breaks down, and there, letting himself feel the regret for what he had done. He began his journey of healing. Now, can he undo what he did to his daughter? No. But at that moment, when he felt the regret, when he awakened to the regret, he was able to begin a journey of healing that he never could have began otherwise. And you might look at him and say, he doesn't deserve healing. He doesn't deserve, and you know what? You're right. But because of how good God is, because he was willing to face what he did God can minister to his soul listen church if you are unwilling to face the regret in your life then sin will continue to to make you do crazy things things that aren't even fathomable things that aren't even like like human things that you just you hear stories like that and you're like what in the world Man, as I read that story in that book this week, it just, my heart, I I was bawling, crying because of somebody else's mistake. Because that's how devious sin is in your life. But if you're not willing to face the regret, you will stay in that cycle of pain, and it will continue, and it will continue. Psalm 51, three through five, the psalmist says, for I recognize my rebellion, It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved in what you say and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. Man, that sounds like awakening to regret. That sounds like awakening to ownership of what he did. And so I want to encourage you today to awaken to regret in your life before you hit that rock bottom. I encourage you to change before you have to. Come to that moment of knowing and seeing yourself, like the psalmist says, as a sinner before sin takes you somewhere that you don't know if you can come back from. Listen, you don't have to hit the bottom of the barrel, but if you have, and there's a good chance that there's somebody in here that is there now. There's still hope. There's still hope. And so step two, what do we see in the life of the prodigal son? In verse 20, it says, so he returned home to his father. Amen? He returned home to his father. He stepped into repentance. He went a different direction. He got up and he went home. Listen, church, regret is a great starting point, but it's a terrible place to stay. Regret is a great thing to get you going, to to realize, man, to come out of denial and to come out of of just like brushing everything under the rug. You know, it's a great place to start, but it's, it's a horrible place to stay and to live. Repentance, on the other hand, is a springboard to life. Now, A lot of times we come, you know, we have a a, a moment where we feel bad about what we're doing, and so we say, God, I'm sorry. But very quickly we we slide back. We we have no intention of changing our ways or changing our life, and so we have a a kind of, hey, I want to feel better prayer. And we say, God, I'm sorry. But then we go out the door with zero intention of doing anything different, and we continue to live the same life. That's not what the Bible describes as repentance. The Bible describes repentance as getting up out of the pigsty that the prodigal son found himself in and going home to go a different direction, to plan a different life. We even see that the prodigal son, you know, was playing out how these things would happen. He was planning a new life for himself. He's like, I'm not going to do it how I used to do it. I don't even deserve to go back into the same relationship with my dad. So I'm going to go home and just just beg him to be a hired help. I'm gonna get a different job, I'm gonna be in a different environment, I'm gonna have a different life. That is repentance. You see, repentance is not limited to to emotions like contrition or guilt or remorse. Repentance is more about action. Repentance is a verb, it's not just a feeling. It's the starting over that brings, uh, that that happens as, as a result of the emotions of regret. And so we have these these feelings of regret. We realize that, man, we've really messed up. And then we plan out a different course of action. I love the example of the prodigal son because he didn't go home expecting anything. You know, some of you have been going to church long enough throughout your whole life that, man, when you mess up, you just kind of expect God to, to forgive you. You're like, oh, if I mess up, I'll just pray a prayer and God will forgive me again. What a scary place to slip into, to drift into. That's why we do communion, so that we regularly remember how how big the price is that Jesus paid for your sin and mine. Because we never want to treat the grace of God as just something flippant, or or that we don't want to take it for granted. And that's why I love this example, because he said, he's like going home with no expectations. He's going home with no plans of things going back to how they used to be, right? He went home ready to work. He went home ready to change. He went home completely acknowledging that his actions and the potential consequences of his actions and what they would bring. He had this attitude, kind of like scripture says, that he deserved death. What what does scripture say? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I love what 2 Corinthians 7.10 says. It says it like this. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. So there's a difference between regret that leads to to repentance and then just wallowing in regret for the rest of your life. And that's not what he did. He He didn't stay there and just feel sorry for himself. He got up and he went home. Do you see the forward motion in Paul's words there? Godly sorrow brings repentance and that leads to salvation and it leaves no regret. So there's a leaving behind and there's a going to. Sometimes we just feel so stuck in our sin and stuck in our life and it's because we're making no plans for things to be different. So to sum it all up, repentance is motion, not emotion. Repentance is motion, not emotion. It's not just feeling bad. It's not just acknowledging that you messed up. It's saying, okay, I'm gonna do something different with my life now to follow Jesus. Regret is about the past. Repentance is about the future. It's planning a new way and a new life with Jesus. Man, if you're a longtime believer, I don't want you to lose sight of this. Don't lose sight of this. The chief job of a believer is to keep holding the grace of God in high regard. To not take it for granted. To remember that, man, I was once in the pig pen. I was once, you know, someone that that had no idea where I was going or how I was going to get there. But God's grace saved me. God's grace saved me. And so, man, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, don't let the devil tell you that this message is not for you. Don't become complacent with sin in your life. Don't let your heart get hard. Remember, I've got to move away from the pig pen and back towards the Father. Keep your heart soft. And then the third thing that, man, we're turning the corner. I hope this encourages you today because the third thing that we're going to do is we're going to live this life to the full. We're going to live this life to the full. And so the story goes that the young man, he heads home fully expecting judgment. But what he got was a father that ran to him the moment he saw him. Ran to him, put his arms around him, threw a party. Man, we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come and I'm excited. But what does that symbolize? It symbolizes that we're stepping out of a horrible situation into an amazing life with God. John 10.10 10 says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Life and have it to the full. There are two words for life in the New Testament in the Greek. One word is, is bios, and it's the, this is the natural life, your breathing, your, 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 your flesh, your material things, the things you're touching and, and experiencing in this world. The other, the other word for life is it's, it's the Greek word zoe, and this, this stands for you know, satisfying life, purposeful life, knowing that there's more than just the physical life, but there's eternal life that is only found in a relationship with God. But here's what we know, is that it's, it's, it's hard to step into this kind of satisfying, rich, purposeful life with God before you let go of something that's old and broken. And so stepping into this new life with Jesus is a total transformation. So God rarely puts something new in your life until you let go of something old and broken. And so this is what it looks like to live the full life. Maybe you've wondered, you know, what did Jesus mean when he said, you know, he's gonna come and he's gonna give us life and life to the full. Well, this is what it means, that we gotta leave the old stuff behind and do something new. It's motion, not just emotion. Think about the woman at the well. You know, I almost think that this is like a this is this was a real life story. If you know the 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 prodigal son, that was a parable, and so Jesus, you know, this was a, not necessarily a, a true story. It was something. It was a story that he was telling to illustrate what the kingdom of God is like, what God is like. Well, the woman at the well actually happened. And Jesus walks up to the woman of the well and begins talking to her. And she was a Samaritan and, so, and she was a woman and he wasn't even supposed to be talking to her, but that's kind of how Jesus rolled, right? And he said something to her. He said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So she had a choice. Now, remember the woman at the well, she had had five husbands. The man she was with at that time wasn't her husband. Jesus knew this, and yet he was offering her a second chance. He was offering her a second chance. But think about this. Jesus made a contrast. He said, there's this water that the world has to offer and there's the water that I'm offering. And to drink God's living water, you've literally, in your spirit, you have to put down one cup and pick up the other. I'd love to challenge you to go home today and try to drink from two cups at the same time. Make sure your kids are watching. Maybe they could film it and put it on Facebook. That'd be a great video, right? You just try to drink from two cups at the same time and see what happens. You're gonna make a mess of yourself. But living life to the full is stepping into a completely different and new way of life. And I've gotta pick up one cup and I've gotta put down the other. You might be asking yourself this morning, can God still reach me after where I've been? Listen, He can not only reach you, but He can give you a completely different kind of life, a completely different and new life. Total transformation. This is the gospel church. This is the the good news that Jesus offers you. That it's not just a slight change. It's healing. It's You were once broken and now you're whole in Jesus' name. It might have been a long physical road for the prodigal son from wherever he was to wherever his home was, from the pig pen to the family farm. But the spiritual road for you and for me from death to life can happen in an instant. That's how good God is. You don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. Nothing you could ever do can make God love you more or less. He loves you. And He proved it by dying for you on the cross, by putting His life in your place. And so this morning, it's not what you need to do, it's what He's done, it's who He is. And man, He can't wait to wrap you up into that new life. All you have to do is come home. Repent. Let yourself feel that regret that leads you to repentance. And remember, repentance is saying, God, man, when I leave these doors, It's going to be different. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to stop trying to drink out of one cup and and then drinking out of the other at the same time. It just doesn't work. God, I'm going to make you my source. I'm going to make you my guide. I'm going to start reading your word. I'm going to start spending time in prayer with you. I'm going to start seeking you like you're the only life there is. Amen. John 1.16 says for for from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace and so I just want to encourage you this morning if you messed up, if you found yourself far from God, if maybe this morning you began, the Holy Spirit is convicting you and you're awakening to regret you're awakening to the fact that man, you need a Savior I want to encourage you not to stay there today don't stay there don't stay there it's time to get up, and it's time to go home. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.